0: Buongiorno, tipi. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. Welcome back. I am Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Tommaso, my co host, the podcast producer of, how'd you say it?
1: The, the Michelangelo of podcast yes. producers. <laughs>
0: I wasn't going to refer to him as my podcast producer anymore, but instead I was told by him to call <laughs> to refer to him as the Michelangelo of podcast producers. Oh. So there you have it. Okay. <laughs> so you would think this is late at night and we're having an aperitivo, but we're not. It's a morning uh, recording, and we're having a cappuccino. Lavazza. True. Our favorite Italian coffee. It gives us that little whatever.
1: Little jolt.
0: And um, so in that case, I should say, Buon Matina. Good morning, everybody. This episode is about the last few days of the first part of my epic road trip, north to south, top to bottom in the Fiat Tipo with Kitten Club One. For those of you just joining, Kitten Club nickname came from Tommaso when I started planning this trip. In 2019, but then COVID hit with four women. So what's the Italian word for kitten? Gattina. (laughs) Gattina. Okay. Anyway, so we went to Puglia and I had only been to Puglia once before in my life. And that's while I lived there. And a friend of mine that worked in the fashion industry that I knew, her family had a farm down in Puglia, way down almost to the bottom, just north of Lecce, which is the capital city. And it was a long weekend because of two religious holidays that went back to back. So it was perfect time to drive all the way from Milano down to Puglia. And once we got there, we basically stayed at her family's farm because of the holiday, had all these special meals, etc. But what I remember the most about Question, it... Question,
1: what kind of a car did you drive down It was in? something
0: that barely made it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Was it a was it a modified? No,
0: it was one of lawnmower? those lawnmower. <laughs> I, I I really only remember that my side passenger side window didn't roll up. It was you know one of those manual ones that didn't ever close. So that's that. Anyway, so what I do remember about the drive once we got into Puglia was that it was a very dry and barren landscape, and to be honest. To me, it looked a bit neglected. She didn't say anything. This is where her relatives were from. That's just what it was like. Right. But it was definitely not what it's like today. Right. So it was incredibly different. So it was interesting to me, but mostly it was the olive trees that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Some of them a thousand or two years old but I just remember that olive oil, tasting it for the first time at our parents' farm, and the bread, it was so much better than we had up in Milano. And that food and cuisine up there was life-changing to me. Sure, how
1: much better could it get? A
0: lot, actually, the (laughs) olive oil. So that was what I really remember the most about it. And it was a lovely time, a great stay, but now that I think back on it, I cannot tell you how much it's changed in those 25 years. So we'll go right into that. Puglia has always been known for its olive trees and the trullo, trullo as you really, if you can roll your R and Truly is plural. So one trullo as we have discussed in a previous episode are the circular shaped buildings made of limestone with a conical roof. The word trullo comes from, a Greek word, and the Greeks originally brought these circular-shaped buildings to Italy around the eighth century. Initially, there's a few of those scattered about, but primarily, the ones you see in Puglia now are from 1516, 1700s. The ones we stayed in were from mid 1800s, so new. You right. know, like that's new architecture.
1: I'd also like to say that the walls of the truly are anywhere from two and a half to eight feet. Thick. Eight feet. Holy uh, cow. I, went, I didn't see
0: that. I went ahead and did a yeah. little research uh, on
1: my own, my pumpkin.
0: <laughs> well, they were very thick and without any mortar. That's what's right. impressive. But let me get into the actual architecture. of. It. Okay. This is a fable. I will say this. There's no concrete evidence that this story exists. We can't
1: attribute it to somebody. But
0: everyone repeats it. Okay. So I am to Every history book, every... Every website, you name it, every place you stay, they tell you this story, that these truly were built as spontaneous architecture during um, when Puglia was part of the kingdom of Italy. And when that tax collector came around to see how much your house was worth, then the rumor is that they just removed the keystone Keystone, on the top of the conical roof and the whole building would collapse onto itself and then therefore you didn't have a house so you couldn't be taxed. But what I find funny, how you couldn't remove the keystone from inside because the building would collapse on you. And how would you get to the top to remove the keystone from the exterior when the roof is conically shaped? And these original truly aren't that large, maybe the size of a little bit bigger than this. Room, our recording studio, not that large. The original ones. Then, as they made them later, like in the eighteen hundreds, seventeen and eighteen hundreds, they were larger. So let's say a two hundred square foot circular space, because they stored the well. More people lived in it. They stored some animals in them occasionally, but they are thick walls. The ones I stayed in were very thick, but. My favorite part are the keystone or these pinnacles that go on top. And the original ones just had pagan symbols, the sun, the moon, the stars, anything to deal with earth. But other than just being this keystone itself with the symbol, they warded off demons and brought good luck to all the owners.
1: It's funny in a country that is so you know, Roman Catholic right. that the pagans... Right. They would have pagan symbols.
0: Exactly. But again, it came from Greece, even though there was Greek Orthodox, but somehow these pagan symbols are still there to this day and were built originally. Interesting. Yes. So the Trullo that we stayed in is basically in the middle of Puglia, right about where the heel starts to go down, but in the middle, maybe... 45 minutes to the Adriatic and further to the to the west. And the closest village is Martina Franca, where we went for dinner one night and that's where I lost the car the only time, but <laughs> I'll get into that later. Anyway, the trullo that we stayed in is a family affair. It's a working farm. They had horses, they had these two huge, awesome, great Pyrenees dogs that were so cute, so funny. One's name was Barilla, like the pasta, <laughs> and the other was a woman's name. I'm forgetting, but it was kind of like Lucia. So Barilla and Lucia, let's say, would greet you every time you moved. You know, walked out, walked in, got in the car, got out of the car, just slobbering all over. It was lovely. They were just so friendly and happy to have visitors. Right? Again, it was the beginning of November. They were closing down after our visit. She, I think she stayed open for us really. Anyway, Elena is the daughter and she runs the hospitality part and she's also an incredible baker. So each morning we'd be in their, their mazeria, which is the name of a f- farmhouse. So she and the family live in the farmhouse and that's where they have a breakfast room and the kitchen, et cetera. And we go in there every morning and have these baked goods. And if we made a you know, compliment about the lemon tart. The next day there was a better one. You know, she just did Up anything game every to day. please. And everything came from the farm. So when we were in this little breakfast room, looking out through all the windows at lemon trees, avocados, fruit, corn, you name it, everything was there. You realized everything we're eating, we're looking at right now. Right, We could see where it came from. So one morning I got up very early to take some photos and Elena's father was working in the barn. He was so sweet and kind. And he told me the whole history of the farm and that their main crop is wheat from which they make their pasta, their breads and my new favorite Tarelli pugliesi Those little circular crackers that I had never had before, never in Milan had had them. I don't know why I, how I miss this, but now I'm addicted. They're like my favorite and all they have, the only ingredients are wheat, extra virgin olive oil, a teeny bit of salt and white wine. You had some while you were there, weren't they? They were wonderful. Yes. Kind of addictive, like popcorn or pretzels or something.
1: All Italian food while you're sitting there drinking wine is addictive. (laughs) There's not much that isn't addictive. (laughs)
0: <laughs> tarelli. try to find those you can in like specialty stars uh-huh. anyway so the family sold a package made the pasta and the tarelli crackers and everything else and sold them so of course i bought a lot way too much and this was i still had two more weeks of the trip so of course they're in you know My suitcase being dragged everywhere, but they made it, and mmm, delicioso. (laughs) Anyway, back to the farm. It's about 100 acres with miles and miles of original stone walls. So the father told me they had spent about 10 years rebuilding them with the same stones, but they just, every 100 years or so, Italians down there redo their walls just out of pride. Hmm. Everyone knows it's their property, but they just... Keep them intact out of sheer pride because of the history of them.
1: So you're only around for generally one rebuild, exactly. <laughs> so the good news is, the, the good news is, ah, you were born the year after the rebuild. You're like, good.
0: <laughs> anyway, we love staying in that place because, keep in mind, we had just come from Rome and Matera, you know, just stone and everything incredible. But then all of a sudden, we're in this fresh, open field with. All kinds of animals, horses. We fed the um, horses apples. They were stunning horses. And so, with that one feeding, every time we walked out, they're like, hey, anymore. <laughs> They'd follow us everywhere. It was a beautiful, beautiful place.
1: And ju- just one quick aside about Kimberly personally she feeds donkeys and chickens on a weekly basis here on our little island.
0: And well, we have a friend with farm. We have a friend with farm. It. And mm-hmm. she just loves animals. I do indeed. Mostly dogs, but still. Yes. Anyway, so the truly that we were staying in were unique because they were doubled up to each other. They were two circular buildings, two conical shaped roofs, doubled up to each other. So when you walk in the 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 way this family renovated it was small little living area, couch, table, and a nice little kitchen, and then the back trullo was uh, a bedroom. Really beautiful, nice bathrooms. They're so good with mosaic tiles down there. Mm -hmm. So we each had our own Trullo and to wake up and look straight up at these conical shaped roofs, all white limestone. You can see the circle on the top of where the keystone is. It was just very special, very unique, highly suggested. But a lot of them are kind of um, touristy and renovated too much on the inside, so you don't get the real vibe. So, anyway, back to the truly in Puglia in general, historically, um, they were built right up next to each other, abutted to each other to form a village. And the largest and oldest collection of truly in all of Puglia in Italy is called a village called Albero Bello. Albero means tree, so that name just means beautiful tree. Why? I don't know. There weren't really many trees there, but (laughs) anyway, it's the most famous, most well-known. So we went there one afternoon and again, it was probably like a Monday in early November. No one was there. It was awesome. However, I could tell just from the shops that were open that like they'd open their door, the wooden arch door to the Trullo or Summer Square, but they'd the doors would be open up and the inside of the door just had racks of all those kind of touristy knickknacks mm-hmm. that they sold. So you could see that this place is probably mobbed. Well, I do know that it's mobbed in the summer. It is the most famous, but it was almost hard to admire the scope of this village. How many truly were there. And the, it's the oldest collection of them. There's more than 1500 of these truly. Built next to each other, row after row, going up this hill. Right. So it was impressive and awesome, but... Imagine that at peace. Yes, season. with just selling the same kind of thing. It's right. kind of like going to the Jersey Shore or something, selling the same stuff. Or Mackinac Island in Michigan, buying the same taffy.
1: Hampton <laughs> Beach, New Hampshire.
0: Right, right. So anyway, as as stunning as Alberto Bello is... Um, go off season if you're if you happen to be there. I did. I will say though, we did have a delicious gelato there. And at the very top of the hills, it's this long sloping hill with all the truly going up, at the very top is the one church built originally for all the residents of the truly, and it was very unique, awesome interior that I didn't expect. So that part was good, totally worth it. Then we drove to the village of Martina Franca. That's where I lost the car, but (laughs) at night. Anyway, the Centro Storico, the historic center, is is different from other Puglian villages. It's large and like impressive buildings, taller than the other Puglian villages and darker in color, because everything is white in Puglia. Martina Franca has darker colors, which sounds silly, but it stuck out. It was different. Anyway, it was kind of a more dominant feeling, Martina Franca, than these other little villages. So we're just cruising around, and in one of the piazzas, I saw, first I saw the name in this awesome font that's so unique, so typical of the time, is Café Tripoli. Café, spelled with two Fs. So that fantastic font, I'll put a picture up on Instagram, you can see it. And better yet, As I looked below the name with the awesome font, there in the open doorway are the beads. Those beads hanging in a doorway that only Italy can pull off. Every time I see one, I have to walk through it into whatever it is, a store, a bar. (laughs) I have to go take my arms and push them open and hear them clink, clink, clink. But in this case, at Cafe Tripoli, it wasn't really beads per se it was more of like a really thick silk wool thread twisted kind of like I don't know but it was different and I had to go through it I walk in I was like ah we're here we're having an aperitivo in this crazy awesome place it was like a relic and there was no one in there just the barista very nice man from Albania You could tell immediately. He was light skin, blondish hair, blue eyes. And we ordered a cocktail, Aperol Spritz to be specific. Oh, something new and unique for you. uh, Sally and I had one. Charlene had something else, something kind of fancy. And all of a sudden, out of the kitchen comes Vito. Vito is the owner and the pastry chef. It's Primarily like a patisserie, but they also sell aperitivo any hour of the day. And they close about eight at night. So Vito, the owner, walks out. Vito is adorable. He came up to about my chest height. Little glasses and big smile. And he was so happy to have three foreigners in his little cafe. So he says, Sedevi, sit down, everybody, sit down and let's talk. Okay. So we did. And he told us the story of his cafe, third generation. This uh, barista has been working there for 20-something years. He's from Albania. But they acted more like father-son. He sat down with us as well. The barista, just the five of us sitting in the corner. Nicest table in the spot, he called it. And we had the absolute best time. So finally, I said, can I take a picture of everyone? So I got up and he goes, Aspeta, Aspeta, wait, wait. And he runs to the counter and grabs a framed photo of his wife that died like 13 years ago, but he had been speaking about her the whole time and he misses her so much. Uh And so he held the picture of his wife for the photo. It was so cute. And then I took video of him describing everything and why we needed to come back the next day and blah, blah, blah. So I'll put that video up too. Vito made our aperitivo hour one of the best of the trip
1: without a doubt. I just think that's, you know, that's one of the beauties of Italy and being there, whether it's off season or at least you're not in the, the main tourist areas, you get to know the people and you get to really experience why Italians a living. They're living for life. They're just mm-hmm. they're just so happy. To
0: meet and get to know someone new like and when they heard Charlene was from California, they were like, "Whoa." Well, it also it all, <laughs> when I say I'm from Rhode Island, they're like did Well, they that sp- I live in Rhode Island, they're like, "Where's that?" Where's that? <laughs> Where um
1: did he speak any English?
0: No. No, no. neither so, of them so did. It was
1: wonderful. Yeah. Yes,
0: this is a teeny little local cafe yeah. that I'm sure in the summer months they have another employee that probably speaks some English.
1: I mean, you walk away from those encounters. Just It was awesome. Just, you're, it's worth the whole trip almost.
0: Oh, yeah. But I had so many of those kind of encounters I know, I in know. a month long. I know. <laughs> so anyway, so after that, we should have asked them, but we didn't. Should have asked them for a restaurant recommendation. And again, it was so quiet. No one was there. It kind of started to rain and we're walking around and I thought, well, Again, it was a Monday night or a Tuesday night and nothing was really open. All of a sudden I saw this very well-dressed, good-looking gentleman walking his dog and he just looked at us and said, you know, like, you so do you need something? I said, well, and he goes, you look hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it is our first night in Puglia so we would love to try and find a, you know, a local Puglian cuisine somewhere. And he said, Go down here, take two lefts, three rights, and then you'll see this teeny little um, restaurant on the right, three steps down. That's it. Okay. So we found it. We had actually walked by it like 20 Previously. minutes earlier. Uh-huh. Not many people in there. And I thought, mm, looks kind of, you know, just ho-hum. And when we got back, one table left. We're like, okay. okay. So we took it and it was super narrow. So like- One table on either side and the people that worked there walked in between the tables. It was that teeny. And I will say it was the least expensive menu of my entire trip. And the food was just as delicious. Really nice family. There was one family that worked there and there was one other family of like Austrians or something. Everyone else was Italian. And it was absolutely delicious and we s- explained it's our first night here we in Puglia with eating Puglian cuisine so she looks at us she's like well you have to have oracetti." it's like okay you know the ear shaped pasta right, right. which all the nonis in right. barri that's, make yeah, that's and all, stuff yeah. that's touristy too but it's real and it's delicious mm-hmm. so we each ordered like a different sauce so we could try each other's but they were all the Orecchetti pasta and we had a bottle of Primitivo and it was fantastic. So the whole night between cafe Tripoli and this lovely little restaurant was going like swimmingly perfect. <laughs> and then I was like, Hmm, where's the car? <laughs> because normally I always drive in Italy always. And since phones came out with um, GPS. cameras, yeah. no cameras, oh, yeah, you take a picture of the street corner where you parked so that you can always find it. For some reason, that afternoon in Martina Franca, I forgot. But I remembered that I forgot to do so about five minutes after we left the car before we found Cafe Tripoli and I thought, oh, I'm going to take a photo of where we were standing right then and there so I could then remember it was not that far away. So what was there, naturally, a church, they're on every corner. So it was this tall, narrow church with a long, small, rectangular garden-shaped piazza in front of it. That would be easy to find, right? So after we leave the restaurant, I didn't want Sally or Charlene to think that I didn't have my act together and that I didn't remember where the car was. And then pretty soon I had to fess up. I mean, there was no way I could find that car. we were going in circles and then it started to rain. I was like, (laughs) so all of a sudden I see this one restaurant open and it was an Asian restaurant, which is funny. And so I walked in and I explained my situation to this young man working there. And all of a sudden he says in perfect Italian, because he was African, perfect Italian to the owner. I'm just going to help these ladies (laughs) find their car. I'll be back in 10 minutes. So I showed him the picture of the church with the last remaining place I knew we were. He's like, oh, non c'è problema. So then we spoke in, I guess it was Italian. And he told us he had been adopted by an Italian family and he had only lived in Puglia and he likes it and he likes the people. But then he said, but all I want to do in life is go to California. (laughs) Another (laughs) California. That's what they want to do, right? And so I gave him a 10 or 20 euro bill. I thought he was like, he he actually pushed it back at me. He's like, I will not take that. You didn't eat in the restaurant. I won't accept that. I go, please, please just put this toward your airfare to California.
1: He goes, okay. Okay. It
0: was so cute. So that ended the evening on a high note again, because we met just, Yet another very generous, pleasant, helpful person.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are very few immigrants you've ever met in Italy that are not genuine and helpful. And the whole time that I've been there, well, with I think you, it
0: rubs off. Right. They immigrated into the country, the generosity and the friendship and the willingness to help each other that comes from the Italians rub off on them. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, so it was a lovely day. The next day, we decided to drive to the coast to see the villages on the water. So Polignano Amare, it's a hard word to say, just like Puglia, the G is not pronounced. So Polignano Amare, if you Google that, Google image that village, it is so dramatic. You see these jagged edge rocks, these cliffs that drop straight to the sea And somehow they built dwellings right on top of them that just barely, I just can't believe they don't even fall off. And the next time we return, I would like to stay in one of these little B&Bs right there on the edge. Because when you look out the window, you're just high above the ocean, look straight down, you can't see anything. Hmm. I think that would be very cool. I'm all in. Yes. And the reason it's so stunning also is because not only these crazy cliffs but the incredibly intense light blue aqua color of the water it is really you know it's every place like that the caribbean australia french polynesia has these an awesome blue color but there's something about the sandstone cliffs going straight into this water
1: the way they reflect the light in it, and everything. it's
0: really really beautiful So we cruised around there a bit and then we went to the village of Monopoly and that has a unattractive, um, well, not unattractive, but the Centro Storico, the historic center is idyllic. The outskirts is, you know, more like 70s apartments, 80s apartments. So um, the center is, of course, car free. So we parked and I jammed that Tipo into, (laughs) they did not believe I could do it. I got it into this parking spot. I took a picture of not only the street corner with the two names, but in front of the, it was like a dry cleaner, like a a cleaner, you know, like a lavanderia, a laundry shop. I took a picture of the car in front of, the, in this parking spot, how I did that. It was amazing.
1: Here, Sally, coat the bumpers and Vaseline, please.
0: <laughs> and I will say, let me just brag, this entire trip, I did not get a single parking ticket. The car was not towed. I didn't get a dent accident, nor a speeding ticket. Brava. <laughs> Grazie. So after we parked the car and I took a picture, we walked around the center, super, super sweet, as Tommaso knows, because we went back and stayed there four days. Well, based ourselves there, Mm -hmm. just a perfect Mm -hmm. place. But we'll get into that in another episode. Anyway, so we found a restaurant, again, right on the water's edge. But since you're elevated, you're not on like the beach, but you're on the water and it was right next to the castle that has the same name Carlo Quinto i'm recommending this sweet little restaurant because it had maybe you know 10 people could sit outside and you're just staring at the adriatic there's no islands or anything out there just staring at the adriatic the horizon it was awesome but the best part is our lunch so sally ordered this pasta that had a bucatini this is all it had literally thick bucatini pasta fresh cut tomatoes not in a tomato sauce but just cut tomatoes squid that they somehow um i don't know it had a little grill marks on it but just squid squid cut tomatoes some basil and olive oil
1: were the the tomatoes sauteed
0: at all no No, just fresh. It's a summer-ish salad. Okay. No parmigiano, because you don't put that on anything that has fish. Anyway, she took one bite, because we all thought, oh, it looks really simple. It looked pretty, but it looked very simple. I think it was her favorite pasta. And then Charlene, I cannot remember the pasta she got, but she, same thing, one bite, oh, mm, moans, groans, happiness, everything. And I had the, in my opinion, the best. I ordered a salad because Italians can just make salad like no one else, in my opinion. Anyway, it had fresh caught tuna that was raw, just kind of like tuna poke, right? Just sushi, sashimi tuna, and cut into these little kind of squares and tomatoes, same delicious tomatoes. And then this small ball of barata cheese. You know how non-caloric that barata is, right? What's for lunch today? (laughs) Nothing nearly as good as this. God. Anyway, so this salad was a dream and all of us decided, well, we should have a bottle of rosé because we're having lunch al fresco and rosé and lunch outside are just like, the winning combination, the perfect pair.
1: Anywhere in the world, that's a yes. Rose outside. Right.
0: But Italian rose, I think, is as good as the French, and I know that the French will be mad at that, but it's yeah. okay.
1: They're French. They're always gonna be mad at something. Oh jeez.
0: <laughs> we have French friends. Don't I know. say that. I know. Anyway, so lovely, lovely, lovely lunch and morning. Then this is funny, we drove to Nochi because Elena at our Trullo made an appointment for the girls to have their rabbit test because this is just in November. Things have changed now, but then you are allowed to get the rabbit test within 48 hours prior to your departure. Now it's 24 hours. But anyway, so we went to this town of Nochi to a pharmacia, the pharmacy, and she made the appointment for, let's say four, 30. So we were a little early and we went in at four maybe and asked if, you know, we could have the test or should we wait? And this sweet little adorable young woman said, No, you come back at that specific time because that's when the person that will, I'm translating, but the person that will administer the test will arrive. I said, Oh, okay. And she said, But then you have to go, blah, blah, blah. and she gave these like kind of complicated directions and i didn't know a couple of their words so i was confused and she goes oh let me just show you so we walk out of this pharmacia into it's kind of like a two or three-story office building and it had this uh doorway that led to an interior staircase and so we she goes go one and a half flights down. I was thinking, what? what does that mean? How do you get off halfway through a flight of stairs? But indeed there was this funny, funny little landing with a door. So we, she shows us and we go out through there and then she points down this ramp to a loading dock. That's what I didn't know. The words in Italian, a loading zone for car trucks. So I was like, okay. So we drove around, tried to find the, historic center, but we couldn't find a place to park. We go back, we go through that entry down the one and a half lights, go down to the ramp to the loading dock. And sure enough, there were two gentlemen waiting for the test and we're waiting and waiting and thought, well, if they're here, then it's going to happen. So it was a bit late and stuff. And all of a sudden the grate, the metal grate to this loading dock opens. And it's the same little cute girl from the pharmacy <laughs> inside. She's the one who will administer the test. And she's like, Buonasera. We're like, oh, ciao. <laughs> so she gives us a test, gave the girls a test, goes upstairs. And they said, we'll have the results in in uh, 10 minutes. But because of COVID, their COVID precautions, the pharmacia only allowed four people in the in the store, in the pharmacia at a time. So there were three of us. So that meant only one other person could come in. And pharmacias are very crowded at the end of the day when people get off work at like five or seven. So they're open till like eight or nine at night. But you always see a pharmacy busy at night. They go after work. So we're in there and all of a sudden it just dragged on and on the test. Their results were negative, but they didn't know how to enter the results for a foreigner that didn't have the QR code. Everyone in Italy that gets a vaccination gets a QR code for the legitimacy of that that vaccine, 12 months, nine months, et cetera. So you carry around your QR code and we didn't have one. So they had never done this for a foreigner. So it was complicated and they were getting frustrated and, and they started using their cell phones and calling their pharmacy friends. Like, have you ever done this? And finally someone knew something and it was just one simple, you know, thing they were missing when they entered uh, the results into the system and then they got it. And with that, everyone, they all started like patting each other and back clapping. So we clapped and was like we all won something. And they were so friendly and so nice. And in the end, they're like, okay, now can you pay the 15 euro? We're like, oh my gosh, all that work is only 15 euro. Anyway, so when we left, the main pharmacist said, thank you so much because if we get another foreigner here, we'll know what to do now. Training. I was like, you're welcome. And I thought... We're the only foreigners since vaccines started to go into that one little pharmacy. Right. But anyway, so it was funny until we walked out. The line of Italians standing out, it was raining again, standing out in the rain, waiting to get in the pharmacy because we took up three spots. Oh, they didn't look happy. So oh, we're like,
1: a few hairy eyeballs in disp- disp- your
0: way. Tantissimo. I'm so sorry. So anyway, we left, we drove back to the Trullo because. Our lunch was so amazing.
1: Can I just comment for? Let's go back for one second to comment. We're dealing with a CDC card, a printed oh, I know, card in right? this country, handwritten. You no, know, the, the hotbed of technology in the world, America, and the Italians have a QR code on I know.
0: their phone. I told, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast that at one restaurant, uh, oh. Up at the beginning in uh, Lago di Como, we went to this Sicilian restaurant of all things, and they didn't want to let us eat there because we didn't have a QR code. And when I pulled out my my uh, CDC card that I laminated, the manager or the owner looked at me and goes, Ma, es escrito da mano, which means, but come on, this is written by hand. I was like, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> kind of embarrassing and can i go back to
1: that one time the woman going from you know she showed up downstairs after she said the person will be there yeah remember we were in nevis one year the, fir- uh, the first time we went to nevis oh and and when we came in and the guy sat there the, well
0: at the airport which was the, a corrugated tin shack
1: yes a long time ago mm-hmm. and there's a corrugated tin shack and the gentleman was there from immigration
0: right and uh, a local Novisian.
1: A local Novesian. And obviously he said, well, you have to go to customs next. And he walked <laughs> around a small divider on the other side and changed his hat. And He, he was did now... change
0: the hat. He had a different outfit. And he was in customs.
1: He was customs.
0: <laughs> this wasn't that funny. That was the best. This girl was cute. Maybe the real administration. Didn't show up. Yes.
1: At least she was cute.
0: Yes, she was so sweet. Okay. Anyway, okay. So (laughs) that was funny. I forgot about that. Anyway, so we drove back to the Trullo that night because it was their last night and we didn't need dinner because of that amazing lunch. But we decided since it's their last night, we should celebrate and have a bottle of Brunello that we brought from the Nostravita vineyard in Tuscany. And maybe we open that little wheel of Pecorino cheese that I've been dragging around for 10 days. It wasn't a little wheel. It was a big wheel. As a matter of fact, I left it for Elena. I couldn't keep dragging that thing around. <laughs> and she probably made. she's probably still making Couchoy Pepe from that. <laughs> <laughs> and hers would be really good, I'm I sure. Bet, I bet. Anyway, so we had a lovely last few days in Puglia. And as we were drinking our bottle of wine... We started talking about the trip and Samantha that left earlier, she had been to Italy before, but these two women, Charlene and Sally had never been. And as I mentioned, we started planning it in 2019 and they wanted to see as much as they could of Italy. So that hence the road trip concept came up and I decided to show them the various regions and the history of these regions by staying in atypical accommodations and also it worked out perfectly because of COVID. We didn't want to stay in hotels with lobbies and bars and restaurants. So imagine how unique it was and fun it was to stay in these places. So we started in Lago di Como in a renovated boathouse, just had six rooms on top of the, you know, old boat factory. Then we Went to Tuscany and stayed in a private villa down this dirt road, and it's the one that had that long driveway lined with cypress trees and amazing views. That was also small, off the beaten path. Then we went to Rome and stayed in an old palazzo, took up half of one floor of an old building, and it was just perfect. Then on to Matera, where we stayed in a cave dwelling and ate breakfast each morning in a deconsecrated church from 3 AD, and then... We finished their road trip in a trullo. It was just a perfect way to get a taste of Italy for your first time or any time. Look at me, I've been there a gazillion well, times. It's more I than a taste, it's a it.
1: deep dive into the culture and the difference in the regions, as opposed to doing, hey, let's go to Venice, Rome, and Florence, and Florence. Right.
0: Well, anyway, I'm not turning anyone off hotels, but right. this was a unique way to travel and experience. It was really. It. Really enjoyable if for myself yes. as well. Yeah,
1: And given the time, it was the logical thing to do.
0: Yes, yes. Felt very safe all over Italy, but safer, nicer, more comfortable feeling in these small yep. accommodations. So the last day, the next morning, after yet another amazing breakfast from Elena, I dropped the girls off at the Brindisi Airport for their flight back to Rome and then carrying on to the U.S., And I turned the Fiat Tipo back in and exchanged it for a passenger van. And I will say for anyone going to Puglia, the Brindisi Airport is small and easy. And the rental cars, uh, the rental car agencies are right there at the end of the airport. You know, just one-stop shopping. It was really easy. It's not taking a
1: shuttle bus. Exactly. It was very
0: easy. Uh, But the downside is selection. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The downside is that I paid for and, you know, reserved a new Volkswagen Caravelle passenger van that are really nice. They're like the new thing in Germany. They're coming back in a big way because they're um, fancy and comfortable and really, really nice. So I turned in the Fiat Tipo, which is not what I rented either, not what I reserved either. And instead I got a... um, I got a passenger van, the same size, perhaps, as the Mercedes van or the VW Caravelle, but it wasn't wasn't quite as nice. We'll, a little bit. We'll just leave it at that. A li- little bit, yes.
1: We'll leave it at that. The,
0: yeah. I could see the selection; it was that or nothing. Right. So, and I knew I had six people arriving the next day. I will bring that up the next time. Okay. The next episode. So I then uh, I drove away in that, and I decided to drive to Ostuni because I had about. 30 hours to myself, drove to Ostuni through these olive orchards, endless olive orchards. They were so fabulous that I actually drove around various roads of these orchards to find the most photogenic, idyllic ones to drive you guys back when we went to Ostuni, which I did find. So that was fun. And then I got to Ostuni. I stayed in a small place in the historic center park, this van outside the, the walls. And I walked around Ostuni. It was really misty. And it's, oh, the nickname is the White City. And they had the lights that go on when the sun starts to go down. I walked around this village on top of a little mountain for four and a half hours. Just walked and walked and walked. I took a million photos, video. I would just stand and turn 360 degrees and take a video with my phone. And you couldn't see anyone for as far
1: as that you, could, you could, see, could see right you, could but see.
0: it was still like working hours, so anyone that was working in a shop or a restaurant was at work, and there were no tourists, not one and This was the sixth of November, not a single tourist. I had that place to myself, and the only people I passed were locals walking home or walking for a peritiva hour, which mm-hmm. of course I went in a very cool place and had one, and then I went back to my my little hotel and filed all the receipts from the first trip and got ready for the second and slept like a baby that night. It was an awesome awesome two weeks with the first Kitten Club 1 and Kitten Club 2. Arrive the next day and that will be our next episode. So thanks to Charlene, Samantha and Sally for my company and the laughs. It was awesome and now the second trip carries on and that's what we'll dive into.
1: Well, you mentioned some of these photographs you have. And if
0: anyone who doesn't follow Kimberly on Kimberly's Italy on Instagram, please do. And I promise right here now, I'm recording this, I will do better. I just... There you go. I'm shaming shaming her into the
1: social media. I'm not good
0: at social media, but I will up my
1: game. Okay? If you're on Facebook, you can follow the page on Kimberly's Italy
0: podcast. Tom does that. Yes. Okay. Grazie mille. Tutti amici. We really appreciate the reviews. Absolutely thrilled to see the new listeners we have daily or weekly, but every day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. And thank you as well for all the inquiries regarding my travel planning services. I really thoroughly am enjoying planning these trips for people that have engaged me recently. And I literally get as excited for their trips as if it were my own. Anyway, whether you're thinking of going this coming spring or late summer or fall, whenever, and if you'd like me to plan your trip or just part of it, just get in touch. It's obviously easier if I have more time to find the perfect fit for you in terms of the type of accommodations you'd like, but I literally can make anything happen, even on somewhat short notice. So please get in touch via email, kim at kimberlysitaly.com, website has the email there directly as well, direct message through Instagram, and as Tommaso mentioned, our Facebook page, Kimberly's Italy Podcast. E basta, okay, grazie mille tutti. Ciao ciao. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs>